church. Praise God. What a glorious, beautiful day. For those of you who needed the heat this morning, I'm sorry. I hate the heat still, but I'm quite happy out there in that cool weather. <laughs> we just have a few announcements today. Saya, if you want to show the beads. I don't know if anybody saw yesterday. I went out and I did my first video, y'all. You got to be proud of me because you know how these young people are. They video and take pictures. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I had to go to the table and ask somebody to help me. How did I do that? <laughs> but I did it. So we were out, I was out at the walk, Mark and I were out there, and these beads are not um, represent, they represent um, other things in life, but right now um, I just wanted to show y'all, because this was one of the first things that, that uh, we got when we went out to the suicide prevention walk, and each bead is showing something else of um, different things that the people were walking for. So there's multiple um, colors, and I just wanted to show th these beads because it was a very moving experience, and I hope and pray that next year we can get a, a lot of people out there and we can get that tent going. I haven't really talked to Pastor and Robin about this yet, but I got some connections going, and, and the, the devil will try, right? So when I first signed up, um, they wouldn't allow me that table. They wouldn't allow us out there. Well, that's okay, because I went out there at 7.45 in the morning, and I got the people that I need for next year, so we will be out there. And praise God, the woman said she was so sorry that she had been trying to connect with her first church. Amen? So keep those prayers coming. The walk was a success. I want to personally thank everyone who donated, everybody who was praying. Next year, I want to go out in full force where everybody can come out and it was very moving, and it was, it, it's very important, and y'all keep those prayers coming because I believe that we are going to be so huge in this, that we are going to be the church that people say, you know what, I know a church that can help you, and, and, and they're going to be guided our way. Amen? Amen. So um, Cider Mill next Saturday, so exciting. Um, Nita's not here today, but you can see Liz or Erin. They have the information as well, and um, you can see Robin and have a great time, okay? Um, Sunday, October 15th, is the uh, Greenfield Pastor Appreciation. I announced that last week. Our own pastoral family will be singing. If you want to attend, just see them. The United Family Church uh, Fund Dinner is going to be $25, and you can pay that up front. Just write it right on there because they want the tickets before the um, dinner and the fun um, night. The, that's Wyandotte, is that correct, Robin? And one last final announcement. If you need your Galatians book, we have those. So we're going to get ready for that series starting uh, Wednesday. And you all have a blessed, wonderful, safe weekend. Thank you. What she said.
Praise God, everybody. some praise in the place.
anybody else in the audience remembers this, but when I was young, they used to say, God, you're so
has a sweet spirit in this place. God, God, God you're so How many know God is good in this place? God, you're so good. You're so good to me. That the sweet spirit in this place keeps singing, God, God, you're so your problems and your circumstances. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. One last time, can we lift our hands and our hearts and declare that to the Lord? God, you're so Jesus. Somebody needs to confess that this morning. You're going through some things and you got some pain and some struggles in your life. You got some 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 sickness, some sadness, some 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 financial issues. I've come to tell you that the enemy will rob you if you spend your time worrying about what you don't have. What you do, you're wealthy and you don't know it. Just spend some time worrying and wondering on the goodness of God. Your problems, I remember an old hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face and the cares of this life will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.
praise. You know what they were saying? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. I may not have as much money as I want to, but God, you're so good. I may not have my body working like I want to, but God, you're so good. I may be in mourning, but God, you're still so good. Oh, Jesus. God, you're so good to us. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, there's a sweet spirit in this place. Hallelujah. Just for a few more minutes, go ahead and worship him where you are. I'm not going to get in the way of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Continue to pray. I hear people praying. Continue to intercede right now. Somebody's getting what they need right now. Somebody just got free right then. Somebody just got free. That's your last day being sad, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to heal you right now, even in your sadness, even in your loss. If you'll acknowledge that I'm still good while you're hurting, if you'll release the anger you have toward me, I will heal you right now. I know my ways are not your ways, and you don't understand, but right now if you would declare I'm good I will heal you right where you are hallelujah 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 God you're so good God you're so good God, you're so good, you're so good to the Lord wants us to worship him there. Can you worship him in your pain? God, you're so good. Can you declare to him that you're worth more than my struggles? God, you're so good. Can you tell him that you're more important than my grieving and my mourning? God, you're so good. You're so Even though your life is hard, say, God, God, you're so good. Jesus, God, you're so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, Amen. which is your reasonable service. <laughs> and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. <laughs> this morning I want to talk to you about the subject, breaking the mold. Breaking the mold. Somebody shout, I'm breaking the mold. Oh, God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for your sweet Shekinah glory that is all over this building. Thank you for saturating us with your love. Thank you for saturating us with your glory. Now, Father, I ask that you move me out of the way. Lord God, that your rainbow word will hit everybody that needs it, Lord God, that they will not just receive the Logos, but they will receive the rainbow, the, the on-time word for them today, that you will speak to them exactly where they are in their life. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts and our minds. Touch my mind that I will only say what you want me to say. Lord God, touch each and every one in this room. We give you praise and thanks in the name of Jesus. We pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I'm not acting like somebody who has to catch a plane in a, in a little bit. <laughs> if the plane takes off, that's fine. I miss the plane. Because the church is already taken off. We already, we boarded and we on our way. God is moving in this place. Hallelujah. Jesus. Thank you, Sister Wolf, for praying that God would take out the stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. Thank you for doing that. God is moving. He's doing it. It does my heart good. Extremely and abundantly well to look out and I see my 11 year old and I see her, you know, when you start, start worshiping, you just do it because you're told to, because <laughs> you have to. But I looked up and her eyes were closed and I could see that she had touched heaven <laughs> and tears begin to flow because this is the place that no matter how old you are, how much money you got in your pocket, where you come from, whether your race or creed or color or your socioeconomic status, that you are welcome here and God is welcome here and that anybody can touch God in this place. Amen. Amen. The Spirit of God is in this place and the Lord gave me a word. He arrested me and gave me this word a few weeks ago, but we had to come through what he was giving us in God. I asked him, what do you want me to talk about next? And I'm pretty methodical. I try to split chapters in half and God slowed me down and said, you're not on your time. You're not on your own mind. You are not going to keep up with the Bible study. You're going to go where I tell you to go. And I said, but God, they're already ahead of me. I got to get there. And God said, I'll show you. I'll put a series in the middle of a series and I'll make you wait for several weeks on Romans 12 and 1 because I have something that I have to say and I've come to you this morning to tell you that God has a word for you and it's been boiling in my spirit for several weeks now and I want to give it to you because you need it. It is in these days and times 
that the people of God need this word now more so than ever. We have been on Romans 12 and 1, but we're going to hang our hat today on 12 and 2. And be ye not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Oh, God, my brothers and sisters, Paul is speaking to all of us this morning because across the past few weeks, we've heard Paul make an appeal to the Roman church saying that he's pleading with them in light of God's mercies that they will present their body. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, worry about your own self. (laughs) See, a lot of times we worried about somebody else, but Paul didn't say that you present somebody else's body, but that you present your body, your own self, to focus on yourself. The Bible says work out thy own salvation with fear and trembling. He says, I want you first to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It says in the Elizabethan English, but in the original, it gives the denotation of a spiritual act of worship. That's why you see in newer translations it said this is your spiritual act of worship because actually the word they used there was a worship term which means that worship goes far beyond this wonderful experience that we're experiencing right now even though I can still feel the afterglow of the Holy Spirit over in this place. Worship goes beyond that. Worship doesn't start on Sunday morning. It doesn't start on Sunday when you leave church. It starts on Monday when you get out of bed and you turn over. How are you living your life to glorify? God. (laughs) How are you raising your kids to glorify God? How are you loving your spouse to glorify God? How are you doing your job to the glory of God? Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God so that when people see the work you do on your job, they say there's something different about them and it won't point to you, but then you can point to him. God is saying that your life as a living sacrifice is a spiritual act of worship. And Paul is telling us that since God has been good to you, that you, not, you ought to not live anyway, but you ought to live to please him. So across these past few weeks, we've been talking about some of the results that come from living a holy and a set apart life. That if you live the way God wants you to live, there are some blessings attached. We don't have to live to get the blessing, but if you just live how he tells you to live, he will give you the blessing. We talked about how holiness was something that was distinct and that holiness was not just a run of the mill thing. But holiness meant that you were God's prized possession. You're not the paper plate as I heard a pastor say you're not the you're not the regular plate but you are the fine china that not everybody gets to touch you are set apart for a special purpose you are not a common person and then when God sets you apart God wants you to live in a way that some of his blessings will flow down to you and he will be glorified and Paul reminds us that we're not merely doing this for blessing We're simply doing it to bless God. And this morning, Paul gives us another instruction. Not only does he tell us to present our bodies in our day-to-day living as a living sacrifice, he goes beyond just mere physical activity for everyone knows the propensities of human nature. 
then oftentimes we can give God one part of us without totally surrendering completely to us. I don't want to take you out of the spirit, but I grew up in Mississippi and there was an old blues song that would say, your body is here with me, but your mind is on the other side of town. And sometimes that's how we are with God. He has our body in the building, but our mind is sitting on our problems. Our mind is sitting on the situation. He has us physically, but he does not have us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Have you ever been present at a place and not really present at a place? Have you ever been to a place but your mind was somewhere else? That's why we don't want anybody coming in and talking during the first part of prayer. Why? Because we want focus, because we want your mind here. We don't want you distracted. We want you to hear what God is saying to you. And this is the thing I can already hear somebody saying this morning, Pastor, I did good because I showed up today. I, I worship God because I dropped something in the offering on my way to my seat. I worship God because I lifted my hands when the praise team began to sing and the music began to play. Pastor, I'm all, I've already presented my body this morning. I've already been as good as I know how to this morning. I've done what's required of me. And if that's you, I commend you this morning. I say good job because you got up this morning and you made your way to the house of God. Good job because you fought through hell and high water and all the vicissitudes of life to make it here this morning. Good job because you're trying to get more sleep and discipline your body and eat right and do the right thing so you can be available for the work of God. Good job on doing those things. But I stopped by here to tell you this morning <laughs> that God wants more than just your body. God wants your mind. God wants your world view. God wants your perspective. God wants to rearrange your reasoning. God wants all of you and he doesn't want who you profess to be. He wants who you really are. <laughs> See there's a difference between who we profess to be, who we show others, and who we really are. The Bible says you can say whatever you want to the pastor. The pastor asked you to come to church on Sunday. You said, Pastor, I'm coming. But you say in your heart, I ain't going out there. It ain't, it ain't exciting. I ain't coming to Bible class. You know what? The Bible says, so is a man thinking, so is he. Hallelujah. So whatever you're thinking, for the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever said something and you say, I didn't really mean that? Yes, you did. You just didn't know it. The heart is wickedly deceitful and who can know it? Because so is a man thinking, so is he. If it comes up in your mind and out of your mouth, it started first in your heart. <laughs> See, our worldviews are shaped by how we think. Our worldviews are th uh, about how we determine life has come to be. And I've come to tell you that even if you move to a different location, I've heard people say this all the time, I'm tired of Mississippi, or I'm tired of Michigan, or I'm tired of Texas, and I need to leave to go to a new location because there's nothing good here for me. And the people here are slow. You ever heard that? And the people here behind, I've got to find a new place to go, and if I go to another state and get a fresh start, Maybe things would be good for me. I could get a start and get away from all of these people and all this hype and life would be better than me. You just don't understand that I've got a gift and nobody around me seems to understand my gift, Pastor. And if I could just get away from here, <coughs> maybe I can make it just a little bit better. Maybe I can get leave some of my troubles behind and my issues won't begin to bother me like they've been bothering me. But then I found that when I got to my new destination, <laughs> 
<laughs> I still have some of the same old issues. <laughs> I have some of the same old problems. I have some of the same old situations, and although they may be a different height or a different skin tone, I tend to run into the same old I keep running into the same types of people, and I realize that after, even though their habits might be slightly different, I realize that I keep attracting and running into the same folk because, see, what they've come to realize eventually, brothers and sisters, that this is the problem. It is never about your locality, but your mentality, that you are going to be you no matter wherever you go. You can go to Texas and you're still going to be you. <laughs> if you got a problem with, with drugs, running away is not going to get rid of the problem because all you're going to do is find some drug addicts where you are. You can't change your locality. You got to change your mentality. You got to change your mind. That's why he said, and be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed and, and, uh, and by the renewing of your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be you wherever you go. <laughs> Stop trying to run. Stop trying to run. I, I'd be better if I just leave this job. They just don't appreciate me. They just don't know the gifts I, pray, I bring to the table. I told my wife that before. And, and here's the thing. That's not the problem. Why don't you make yourself a better person to where they can't help but promote you? Why don't you make yourself a better person to where they can't help but lift you up? They can't help. They have to hurt themselves not to help you. Why don't you change yourself and you're the only variable? Now, sometimes that you, it's okay to leave and go find another job. That's fine. But many times, it's not the job. It's Sometimes it very much is the job, but sometimes it's not because the man is getting you and they got a good old boys club. Sometimes it's just because you don't learn how to better yourself. <laughs> you don't learn any new skills and you still use broken English and you don't learn how to talk to people. And so you, you pigeon your yourself, hold yourself into a certain type of job because you don't know how to do corporate speak. And you just say, well, I'm just me. That's me. That's fine. But if you want to go a little bit higher, you got to learn a little bit different etymology. You got to learn to up, up your game. You got to when you get to new levels, you can't bring the same old mind. You can't bring a, a third grade mind to an to a eighth grade level. When God gets ready to elevate you, he's not going to elevate you in your location until he's first elevated you in your mind and your spirit, lest he puts yourself in a place that you're not able to handle it. How do you know that? Jesus says this, what man first built a building for? He sits down and what? Counts up the call. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to put you in a position before you're ready for that position. Sometimes you're not waiting on God. God's waiting known you Amen. he's trying to take you somewhere else he's trying to take you to a place of wealth and prominence sometimes no this isn't prosperity gospel but sometimes God has more for other people but he can't give you the, the million because you can't manage a thousand you got a broke person's mentality. I, I handle money for a, a living, and I realize that money doesn't solve people's problems. I have people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they still broke. It's not what you make. It's what you keep. They have a poor person's mentality. They're not broke. They're poor. See, broke is a destination. You can be broke and put, a, put somebody who's wealthy and take all their money, set them in the middle of the desert, and they will find some money. But somebody that's broke, they can win the lottery, and guess what they're going to be tomorrow? Broke. Because they have not changed their mind. I want God to put me in a wealthy place. Are you generous in giving? No. You're poor in your mind. 
Have you learned to tithe? Have you learned to give? Have you learned to, to do things that are generous? The Bible says that those that are generous, those that are uh, refreshing will be refreshed. In other words, God helps those who have a generous spirit. But if you stingy with what you got now, why do you think God's going to bless you with? Whew, that's okay. I'm going to preach anyhow. <laughs> we don't like it when pastor says something about money because money is our God. <laughs> because where your treasure is, <laughs> that's where your heart is. Pastor better not say nothing. And, and, and y'all know it's been five years. I've never preached, I don't think, a sermon on giving. It's coming. I'm talking to the, the stewardship and finance committee that we put together. And they're doing an awesome job. They're putting together some things. But here's the thing. Isn't it amazing that we get excited to play for concert tickets? <laughs> we get excited to play for football and hockey tickets and all those things. And if somebody starts to say, you need to give 10% of your income to the Lord, all they want is money. <laughs> But you're struggling all the time. Because there where your treasure is, your heart is. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we're blocking our own blessings because we haven't renewed our mind. I've been a tither since I've been 15 years old. You know, I put the box in the back. I never ask anybody to give anything. But as many grown adults we have in this church, this church should not lack anything. But sometimes it lacks. And I'll be honest with you, you know why it lacks? Because some people haven't renewed their, they tithe to Applebee's and tip God. <laughs> if you can't say amen, say. <laughs> but I give to God first. Even when we didn't have, Robin and I would give and we were givers. And guess what? We've never been without. Now, I'm not going to beat you up about that. I'm talking about time. I'm so grateful that we have some youth. I'm looking back here. Good God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. I see all young people back there. I see four or five young people back there in that booth. I'm excited about that. To see how faith works, you make it, and they what? Come. God has already got staff back there working, and he's sending more back there. God is doing some things. He's working in, in the church. But here's the thing. When you stand you with your money, you also stand you with your what? Time. Lord, I can't find enough hours in the day. He can't get you to get him in 20 minutes. It's time to break out of the mold. Why do we do that? Because that's our perception. Many times we have gotten into the perception in the Western church of lazy Christianity. We think church is Starbucks. Lord, have mercy. I didn't. Okay, fine, Lord, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> We do. We think church is Starbucks. We don't show up to serve. We show up to be served. We choose churches by how the music sounds and whether or not they have children's programs and these things. And then you see four or five people at every church, 20% of the church, doing all the work and doing all the giving. And other people just show up, get everything, leave, and never get anything. They're parasites. But they wonder why they can't get ahead because they're not generous with their time, their talent, or their treasure. You reap what you what? Give God his and God will take care of yours. But the world wants us, us to have it a different way. He says, be not conformed to this world because that's how the world works. The world says, I only do something if I can get something out of it. 
I only give if I know where the money's going. I only give if I know it's something for me. I only spend my time if the pastor going to call my name when I serve. We don't have this in the church. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We don't have that. But you, I've met people across my life like that. Have you met people like that? They'll only do something if they're on the program and they can be recognized. They'll only serve if somebody will notice what they're doing and they're getting something out of it. That's the wrong mentality. That's the world's mentality. And what the Holy Ghost is wanting to tell us now, it's time for us to get the mentality of the world up out of the church. He says, be you not conform. That word conform, when you conform something, it's like a, a potter in the clay. That means it's pressurized, which means that you're taking force and you're molding something into which you want it to be. And most of us, if we ask ourselves, what are our worldviews, you could tell how worldly you were. If I asked you about abortion, I could tell real quick if God has shaped your worldview or the world has. If I asked you about same-gender marriage, yeah, I went there. I could tell real quickly whether or not God has shaped your worldview or the world has. If I asked you about premarital sex, I could tell real quick whether or not God has shaped your worldview or the world has. If I asked you what your political views were, I could tell real quickly whether God has shaped your views or whether the world had. Because when I talk to most people, I don't get the Bible anymore, especially the Christian. You know what I get, Pastor Ernie? I get talking points from CNN and Fox News. The world is telling them what to think. And they have adopted and taken over and allowed politics to come over and run rough shot in the church that God never intended for politics to influence the church. He intended for the church to affect the world and affect politics. That's why people want to get your kids so young, if they can get your kids. See, it's a system. He said, be not conformed to this world. That world that he's using literally means in the Greek, the cosmos or the systems. Everything you do in life is a system. Everything God does, Satan counterfeits. Pastor, prove that to me. As a matter of fact, I think I will. God decided to make a world, and he's not sitting on the earth doing this right now. God made the earth and the world and the sun and the moon and the stars. And in Genesis, he said, he made the stars to tell the seasons he created a system <laughs> and so you would know when the when winter and fall and summer were coming he created another system then he hung the earth in a solar system everybody says system <laughs> so that it works in itself and he created a universe in a system and then he didn't come back to plant the tree the bible says in genesis that he made each fruit uh, a seed bearing her so that it could make its own seeds that when it died and fell to the ground it would produce again and he didn't have to plant nothing if you go out there and you pull up all the grass in that yard you don't have to plant anything after a while if you do nothing guess what showed back up there again Grand, because God has created a system. He has created his systems. He has created his way of doing things. But everything, everybody said everything, everything. that God does, does. Satan counterfeits. Satan. Which means that for everything God does, 
Satan counterfeits. You have, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You have the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophets. You have the Lord of Heaven's armies, and you have the principalities and powers, and the Prince of Persia. Everything that God does, Satan counterfeits, and God put things on a system. And guess what systems are done? Systems are made to produce something. Whatever the system is made for, that it produces. If you make, if you take what God wanted us to do, he wanted us to produce. So he put a firmament above us, Genesis said, which means that he created an atmosphere what, that will be conducive for us, and we call it an ecosystem. Hallelujah. You, you paid attention in, in science class. God made these systems for us, but there are other systems. If you want money and you want your money to grow and you want to go and, and retire at some point in, time, point in time, you have a bank account and you put your money in a financial system. And it's designed to produce money. And then when you're lazy and you don't want to teach your kids, uh, uh, what, what do you do? You don't want to teach them what God wants for them. You take your time, and they've made it easy for us. They say, hey, we'll give you an educational system. But what we don't realize is that every system that's given, God didn't give. So you put them in the educational system, and it's designed to produce something. But does it produce what God wants it to produce? Because if the system doesn't have God in it, it's a system of the world. It teaches the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It teaches boys that they can be girls and girls that they can be boys. It teaches us to mutilate little children. It teaches us all those things. Why? Because we allow people to get plugged into the wrong System. Now, don't, hey, I send my kids to public school, but when they come home, I don't just expect the school to raise my kids. They think I'm a broken record. They don't realize what I'm doing now. They get sick of me, I'm pretty sure, doing this and telling them the same thing over and over. But what I'm doing is I'm letting them go out into the world, into the educational system, and when they come back, I have to reprogram them. Because if I don't, they'll start to believe that the stuff in school is okay, and I begin to pull them out of that system. If you're not careful, you'll allow the world to tell you what hate is. And you'll allow the world to tell you what love is. And you'll allow the world to tell you what acceptable is. But I've come to tell you that in God's system, holiness is still right. I remember this when I was young. They used to sing this song that said, yes, the Bible is right. And I know somebody's wrong. Yes, the Bible is right. And I know somebody's wrong, wrong, wrong. We don't want to offend nobody today. But I've come to tell you that let God be true and every man a liar we no longer conform to the systems of the world, but we conform to the truth of God's word. Call me hateful. Call me whatever you want, but I'm not a part of your system. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I have to function in this system, but I'm not of it. It's not on the inside of me. You can get, have a boat in the water and the boat has to float in the water, but if the water gets in the boat, the boat starts sinking. That's what's wrong with a lot of our churches. God sent us to the world and instead of showing the world who we are, we start to look, act, and dress like them and talk like them and lower our standards like them, and now the world has gotten into the church and instead of the boat being in the water, the water is being in the boat and churches are across America are sinking because we took on the world's system. Yeah. 
Your name Mike, and you want to call? Want me to call you Marcy? I'm not calling you Marcy. Your name is Mike. If your mama names you Mike, you're gonna be Mike. I'm not signing up for that foolishness. But that's insensitive. No, that's truth, and truth is offensive. The Bible says that the gospel is offensive. If you don't have little kids, you'd be surprised what my kids come home saying. It hurt, burdens my heart sometimes to know some of the things my 11-year-old knows about that I didn't know about till I was 13. But we have to pull them to the side and talk to them about it now. Why? Because when they get to the church, when they get to school, the school is going to try to teach them what's acceptable. But remember, systems are there to produce something. So if you don't counteract that and teach your kids, what's happening is the system is raising your children. And then when you become a derelict parent and don't take the time to talk to your kids, you wake up and realize that you don't even know who's living in your house. You love God and they hate them. Why? Because you put them in a system and then put God's system in them. You can counteract it by starting to change and put God's system there. We work in God's system. He said, be not conformed to this world. I'm going to say something bold. I don't know who's watching me. I might get blocked. But if at any time you say abortion's okay, you're in the wrong system. That's not a political statement. Stop letting the world tell you what your statements are. That is not a political statement. That is a biblical statement. And it's time for us as Christians to stop being weak, need, and scared and worried about getting along with everybody and standing in to blend in and going along to get along. Satan don't care about you. The world did not care about you. He didn't call you here for this. He called you to war. And when I was young, they said, God don't want no coward soldiers. If you're going to be in the truth, stand in the truth, stand for the truth, and don't agree with a lie. It's time for us to break the mold. Let God be true and every man a liar. Pastor, you preaching passionately. Are you angry? No, I'm not angry at all. As a matter of fact, I'm in a great mood. We had great prayer and we had great worship, but sometimes some things have to be demonstrative because the enemy is trying to run rough shot on us. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm reminded of a story in, in, in the book in the Old Testament and there was a king and instead of fighting his enemies, he decided to make peace with his enemies and he decided to bring his enemies in to watch his storehouses and see all the stuff that he had and, and tell them about his wealth. Maybe they would be impressed and leave him alone. You know what they did? They went outside, planted, and took everything he had. <laughs> That's what's happening in the church. We try to make friends with people. We try to say I'm affirming so we can get along with people. <laughs> We try to say I'm nice with this and I'm okay with that and it's okay with these things so we can get along with people so the world won't come in and call us crazy. But then you know what they do? They sneak in and they snatch our children and pull them back out. Because instead of guarding the house, we let the wolf in the hen house. Everybody's welcome at this church, but every ideology is not. 
We've had atheists at this church. We've had people living alternative lifestyles at this church, and that's fine. You're welcome here. I welcome you all here, but when you come here, you're not here to influence me. You're here for the word to influence you. I don't care whether you're homosexual, you're heterosexual, whatever you are. We don't come for God to tell God what to do. God's telling us how we need to live our He's saying, don't be conformed, the pressure made. That's what's happening to us because we're under pressure and the church is breaking under pressure. We want to look like everybody else in this line because if we look like everybody in this line, maybe the enemy will leave us alone. Do you really think Satan's going to leave you alone when you play nice? I didn't wake up this morning to play nice with the devil. I didn't wake up this morning to be his friend. I come to put my foot on his head and bruise his head. In the power of the Holy Ghost, I've come to say that righteousness is still a standard and that God is still holy. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you come back. I love you. But at the end of the day, God runs this house. God decides what's right. God decides what goes. I'm going to say it every time. Somebody online needs to hear, let God be true and every man a liar. We're not here to make friends with you. If you want to listen to what God said, we can be friends. But I can't be a friend if you're an enemy of my God. I can love you. I can treat you right. But I can't let your mentality rub off on me because here's the thing. You're not going to change me. When we come together, either you're going to change me or I'm going to change you. Somebody needs to change. And if you're not trying to change the way I am, that means you're trying to change me to where you are. And uh-uh, baby, that's just not going to fly. I got heaven as a goal and heaven in my view. And I'm not changing for nobody. We allow pressure conforming. (laughs) I I I put that word in the modern day. And do not let cancel culture mold you into the way of this world. Do not let trying to be nice and affirming and letting your friend have the right friends and look the right way. God don't care about you having friends. He cares about you obeying his word. Even if you had those friends, at some point in time, y'all going to fall out. And if you don't, you only got 70 to 80 years together. That's a small blip in eternity. You going to trade eternity for a 20-year relationship? But what Satan wants to do, systems are designed to produce. Pastor, why am I struggling with porn? Because you're in the wrong system. Oh, don't get quiet now. Pastor, why am I struggling with cigarettes and and dope? Because you're in the wrong system. Pastor, why am I struggling with premarital sex? Because you're in the wrong system. Pastor, why am I struggling with hurt and pain and struggling with backbiting and all these things? Because you're in the wrong system. And when you're in the wrong system, a system is designed to produce something. And it's you just producing what you, we say it this way, you reap what you We've allowed the world for too long to tell us what our kids should think. I tell my kids, I'm blue in the face, stop trying to be like with everybody. That's not right. That's not okay. It's not good at all. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to go beat nobody over the head. But I tell my daughter sometimes, she would say stuff. I said, that's a man in a dress. That is not okay. 
Oh, somebody said, did he just say that? Yes, I did. Why is it not okay, Bible? Because the Bible says it's not okay. Stop trying to get along with everybody and just tell the truth. Now, this America, you can do what you want to do. I'm not going to walk over there and beat you on the head and say, excuse me, do you know you're not supposed to be wearing that? I'm not trying to worry about you wearing a dress. If I tap you on the shoulder, I'm going to say, do you know Jesus? Because if I can get you to know Jesus, the rest will change. Yes. You're not my enemy. The devil is my enemy. I'm not out mad at men that dress like women and women that dress like men. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at people that live alternative lifestyle. God loves those people. He wants those people to be saved. But what I'm saying is, if I have to tell you what you're doing is okay to get next to you to save you, I'm not going to do it. I love you, but uh, it's not okay. How would they ever change if we... We tell them how they're living is okay. How will anybody ever change if we keep leaving us in the same what? Systems. He said, and be not conformed to this world. Stop doing things the way the world does them. Stop thinking things the way the world thinks them. Because the Bible says this, there is a way that seems right unto man, but it has another, another end result because it's in a different system, and that is a system that leads to death. But the way of God leads to life. Somebody may be watching and says he hate people. No, I love everybody. I want everybody to go to heaven with me. That's why I'm doing this. I could have stayed where I was. Otherwise, I was doing great. I had, had plenty of money. I had a nice job. had good ministry. I didn't have to move and come here. I came here because God wanted me to come here. I gave up to come here. Why? Because I felt like he had something for me to do. And I don't want to let nobody that needs to go to heaven not go because I'm not obedient to God. And that's what I came for. I love everybody. I don't want this church to come in and look down on people who are struggling with gender identity and those things. That's not what I'm telling you, but I'm telling you, don't soften your stance. I was talking to my 13-year-old yesterday. We were watching church on TV. I said, I need to watch more church on TV in front of y'all than I do all this other stuff. And we were looking at some stuff, and I said, and uh, I said, who knows? Maybe one day our church will have thousands upon thousands of people like that. We were just having a casual conversation. And she said, how? When half the people here are non identify as non-binary. <laughs> that's what came out of my 13-year-old's mouth. <laughs> and I said, baby, that's why we're here. We didn't come for saved folk. We came for the lost one. For the Son of God came to seek and save those who were lost. I hope she don't get mad at me, but I didn't come for you. I came for Chrissy. Come on. Come on. I didn't come just so you could. <laughs> I didn't come just so you could have some good service and some good music. That is not what I came for. I came for people who were stuck in addiction and all sorts of things in their life, and the demonic stronghold wouldn't be on them, and now they're sitting in the back as free as can be. That's what I came for. I came for those who were the lost and the least and those that needed to know Jesus. Do you not know the first person I came to when I got here, they took me to, down the street to a U-Haul place, and the first thing I did was find the person who looked least like church. She had tattoos on every part, in her ears and her nose and on her tongue, and I said, you just the person I'm looking for. She said, why? I said, I'm, I'm coming to pass the church up here. We, uh, are you more than welcome. She never came, but guess what? I came for those people, those people who don't know Jesus, and they're not 
not just those people so you don't stereotype them because we live in Royal Oak and people have plenty of money. I came for the person who has plenty of money, but they spiritually bankrupt. They look good, but they still on their way to hell. They socially acceptable, but they still on their way to hell. I've come to seek and save those that are lost. Am I perfect? No. I have missteps just like everybody else. Everybody else has faults and everybody has failures. But one thing you'll never see me do is try to make excuses for my wrong. If it was wrong, it's just wrong. If I had to pay for it, I just had to pay for it. But God is right. And when I'm wrong, I say God is right and I'm wrong. It is what it is. But you won't take time to not love God looking at me. Don't look at me. Stand on the word of God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why you did that. <laughs> when I was young, pastors would come up. I grew up in the Baptist church. Baptist churches have some of the best preachers in the world. They do. They have, t- they have this type of finesse and pizzazz and the way they say things. They have the way they meter their words and they're slow uh, and they, they come out. And that's what I came up in, uh, uh, almost poetical. And, and most times I, I'll never forget that I see a lot of pastors and they would they would go and they would read the scripture themselves. But after that, they would say something that was from the Bible and they would say this. They would say the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of God will stand forever. I'm reminded of a story (laughs) of a pastor who did that every Sunday, and he would always say, the grass withers and the flower fades and the word, but the word of God will stand forever. Every Sunday he would get up and he would read his text like that, and when he finished his text, let's see if you can say it with me, the grass withers, (laughs) the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever, and years later, Somebody came to him and said, Pastor, when I was little, I used to come to this church. (laughs) Now, I haven't been in church (laughs) since I left this church. I've been doing what I want to do. But one thing you did, Pastor, it it used to kind of irk me why you would say it every Sunday. He said, what was that? (laughs) He said, "Uh, you would always say the grass withers (laughs) and the flower fades, (laughs) but the word of God shall stand forever. Why did you say that every Sunday? He says, because now, even when you're out in the world doing your own thing, you still remember (laughs) that the grass withers (laughs) and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Your relationships will fall. Jobs come and go. Opportunities get taken and missed. Health comes and go. There is only one thing that will last for sure, and that's the word of God. Don't conform yourself to the ways of the world, but let the word of God, hallelujah, get into your mind. Let the Holy Spirit get down in your spirit and allow you to be able to hear what God is saying to you. That's why that the 
the psalmist says, and they say in, in Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What are you saying? I'm saying that God is looking not for a worldly church. Now God is not looking for a relevant church. God is not looking for a cool church. God is not looking for a popular church. God is looking for a church without a spot or a wrinkle and let he that has an ear, let him hear <laughs> what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'm not preaching against doing nice things. Liz said something this morning, the Holy Ghost had her say it. I know the Holy Ghost had her say it, and she probably can figure it out by now why the Holy Ghost had her say it. And I said, write that down and give it to me. Because I'm not against nice stuff. As you can see, we got lights everywhere, and we got people working back here. I'm happy about that. I'm excited about what God does. But she says there's a difference between adjusting to the changing times and succumbing to the world. Yeah, in the 50s. You wouldn't see TVs on the screen. That's just changing time. In the 50s, you'd be singing out of the blue book. We don't do that much anymore. That's just changing times. <laughs> In the 50s, you wouldn't even be listening to me unless I had on a suit and tie. That's just changing time. <laughs> it's not the outward dressing that's the problem. Are you preaching the word of God? I got no problem with you wearing skinny jeans. If you can wear them, I'm not skinny, so I can't. <laughs> I got no problem with you looking cool and having spiky hair. I have no problem with you looking relevant. But here's the thing. I do have a problem with it. With is you looking like something that you are not. I was watching a documentary that I won't say on what, ch what church, but I was watching somebody, and that person was living an alternative lifestyle, and they say they took me in, but what I realized is what they had really wasn't church, and they, they didn't get saved. They left from there, and they said it was really unfair because they came in, they brought us in, and we were all excited, and they brought us in, and we had thousands of people, but there was something that was missing, and he says, if that's church, I don't want it. They didn't get church. They got something that looked like church that had the ways of the world all up inside of it and was preaching a gospel which wasn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. It got, if you hadn't figured it out by now, the spirit moves when I got on blue jeans. God moves in any way. He doesn't care what I'm wearing, but he does care that what I'm giving you is his word and his word alone. Now, if you do this, you're going to make some enemies. But see, the reason we... Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. The reason we conform to the world is because we want to be just like everybody else. We don't like to stand out. We don't want to be the sore thumb. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to create trouble. We want to be just like everybody else. We're always trying to prove to people that we're socially conscious. We're trying to prove to people that, thank you, Holy Ghost, that we're not hateful. <clears throat> we're always on the defensive trying to prove to somebody that we love them. Every sermon that somebody does and mentions homosexuality, you know what they do? They start with a disclaimer. Nobody ever says, now before I start this sermon, it's going to be about, about, about murder. Now, I just want to let you know, 
I got some murderers in my family. I don't hate murderers. <laughs> matter of fact, I was a murderer once, so I'm not looking down on anybody. Uh, matter of fact, I got a best friend. He's a murderer, too. He's a, he's a murderer, but I love him how he is. You see how stupid that sounds? But we allow the pressures of the world to pressure us because we are worried about being accepted. We are trying to prove something to somebody. But did you hear the last part of that verse? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may what? Prove. Amen. Not to them, but to him. Yes. You don't have, everybody say, I don't have anything to prove, have to, prove to, anybody. to anybody. I love everybody. And I help anybody. I don't care what your orientation is. I don't might not agree with what you do, but I help you. I don't care if you're struggling with your gender. I don't care if your name is Tom and you you calling it Tammy. I still help you. I still do what God requires me to do. But here's the thing. I'm not doing it to feel good about myself like we tried to do. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't have to prove to you that I don't hate anybody. That's between me and the Lord. I know how I feel, and I don't have nothing to prove to you. The only person I have to prove something to is God, that I may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Stop trying to prove yourself to the world. Stop trying to prove yourself to TikTok and Facebook and Snapchat. Stop trying to prove yourself to YouTube and your job and to your schools and to your friends. Stop trying to prove yourself to the world and start proving yourself to God. Lord Jesus. There's a difference. Thank you, Liz between adjusting to the changing times and succumbing to the world. Because God knows that systems produce something. And the only way you can produce what he wants you to produce is you got to get out of that system. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He knows the reason you're not changing is because you, 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 be honest, you fake it. You're in between two systems. Yeah. You're saying praise God today. Saying nasty stuff at night. Mm. Saying praise God in day. And hateful stuff at night. Saying praise God today. And everything you listen to got curse words in it. <laughs> and sexual overtones. And you wonder why you're struggling. Everything on your For You page comes up in a bikini. Because you stuck. Yeah, I need to talk to some people. Some people need to get free. I don't know who you are, but you're going to get free today. You're going to get the truth whether you change or not. The reason you're not changing is because you are feeding your mind garbage and garbage in garbage out. The only way you are transformed is to get out of that system. You got to renew your mind. I grew up in computer science. I have a degree in computer information systems. And this is what the main thing you do. Do you know what you do when a computer gets out of line and it won't work? The first thing they teach you after all that money, cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. Because what it does when you cut it off 
It does what's called a reboot, and it starts back from square one, and it gets rid of all the bad problems and mistakes and errors that were in there and starts back with a clean slate. He says, be ye not conformed to this world, but he said, be ye transformed. God is saying, cut it off. <laughs> cut off that phone. Cut off them conversations. Cut off that television. Cut off them songs and get my word and start rebooting yourself and rebooting your mind, and then you'll change. Be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Yes. Somebody says it's time for a reboot. <laughs> garbage in, garbage out, brother Bob. <laughs> People get angry all the time, and they're angry, brother Dave. And you know why they're angry? They can't figure out why they're angry. Mad all the time. Cut the news off. Yeah, Everything you're watching on the news is designed to make you fearful or angry. And then when you won't pay attention, they got this little annoying thing running across the screen, breaking news. It's not really breaking news. They make money off of you watching, and they know that fear makes people watch and anger makes people watch. They get paid to make you mad. And here you are, our silly selves. I won't say your silly self, so you won't get offended. But our silly selves sitting up here watching somebody, and they making money, making us mad. And we keep signing up for it every day, watching what these people make us mad and can't figure out why we are upset all the time, unplugged from that system. I can't, I can't count the time that I turn my, t my radio on to Sports Rooms Radio. You know why? Because I don't want to hear it. Victor always said, Pastor, did you hear this? And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know why? It's not because I don't care about what's going on. But here's the thing. I have to limit what's going into my soul. Because there are people that come in every week that need life, and they don't need an old negative, nasty, angry preacher. They need somebody who got something to give them life. Yeah. I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it because there are other people out there that need to hear a rhema word and garbage in. Oh, Jesus. Somebody's marriage will get better right now just from turning the news off. Because you're angry. I'll be transparent. We went to date night the other night. Got a lot going on in my life right now. Don't break out the violin. I'm human. <laughs> and my wife said something to me. And I'll be honest. She said something to me. And I was a little short with her. I'm short anyway. But I was a little short in my time. <laughs> So we were going to date night, and she said something else, and I said, I just told you that already. How many times am I going to have to tell you for our culture? And, and rather than get angry, I had to commend her for it. She said, huh, aren't you Mr. Grinch? <laughs> <laughs> and when she said it, I stopped, and I started thinking. I heard this joke, and this joke has actually been working for me. He, he, this guy said he asked his, his dad how... Uh, how, how he stayed married happy so long. He says, I always pick the third. He said, what that mean? He said, don't ever say the first thing or the second thing that come to your mind. It should never come out your mouth. It's always the third time. I've been doing that. This has been working. But this time, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a football game. You got to check down to your receivers. First response, mm-mm. Nope, that's an interception. First, this one, nope, that's a penalty. Okay, I'm going to say this. And so after I checked down for my first two, actually three honest responses, <laughs> I turned over to my fourth one. I said, you know what? I'm proud of you because 
you just told me something that you were displeased about, but you said it in a way that I will receive it, and you didn't say it in a way that will make me angry. The truth of the matter is, I've been going through X, Y, Z. We were talking, and I think it's had me a little stressed and a little bit on edge, and I didn't realize it. I'm sorry if I took that out on you. And what I did, we shut everything down, went on, got some food, had a good time. Why is that important? Because if we are not careful, we will allow the systems and the mindsets of the world to have us angry. You ever been angry and mad at somebody? Somebody said, why are you so mad? You say, I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> everybody laughing, so everybody did that. You know why? Because you're angry. Because you have anger in you, and you're exposing yourself to anger, and you really don't realize how angry you are. And you've been angry so long, now it seems normal. Why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm just passionate. Why are you cussing? I'm not cussing at you. I'm just cussing. <laughs> Why? Why are we doing that? Garbage in? Let's be honest as we get ready to close. Who in here could use some different in their life? Everybody in the building. If you're going to do that, you got to break the mold. You got to stop being like them. You got to start being like him. You got a problem with gossip? I guarantee you. Turn off the news. Why am I talking the news? I think that's a heavy thing. The Lord keeps telling me that. You know why? Because the news nowadays is nothing but gossip columns. <laughs> they just sneaky talking about either this politician or that politician, this famous person or that person. They gossiping, and the Bible says stay away from gossip. You listen to them tell you other people's business. They're not reporting the news. They're reporting gossip, and then you wonder why you can't keep your mouth off of other people because you're in that system. Oh, Jesus, is this helping anybody today? God is calling us to break the mold. God is using this church and other churches across America. We're not the only church going to heaven. We're not the only Christians going to heaven, but God is using some churches. God yet has a remnant that are willing to break the mold. He is not looking for churches as usual. He's not looking for churches no longer that seek to use the ideology of the world. I'm telling you this because when you leave today, I don't want you to come back next week the same way you left. Start paying attention to the systems you're watching. What I mean by that? (coughs) Thank you, Terry. He can come on ahead and help me preach. He already started answering. Facebook, YouTube, whatever your choice is, podcast, what are you listening to? What are you watching? ESPN, you watch the same show on ESPN 15 times. I know because I've done that before. They're saying the same things. And you just sit there looking at it like a mindless gerbil. <coughs> when you could be picking up your world. Because guess what? No matter, I love watching Deion Sanders and those people, but no matter what they do, they're doing what they're doing for them. You ain't going to get none of that. You could be reading a book and expanding your mind to open a business, to start a ministry, or do something else, and you're wasting all your time worried about what somebody else is doing who's already rich. Happy for them, but it's not really helping you. The most silliest thing in the world they convinced us to do. We walk around and we advertise them. We wear their shirts. We say, we're not doing good this year. 
when the team is losing. Truth of the matter is, you haven't played one snap or shot one ball. You never got one check. I may be calling somebody. <laughs> I am calling somebody. Uh-oh. <laughs> I am calling somebody. Maybe they need to hear it. Maybe they need to hear it. You need to hear this. <laughs> but think about that. We plug into their system. We give them all our money. We allow them to control our moves. When they winning, we happy. When they losing, we what? If you kept the word of God in your life as much as you did sports and entertainment, you could flow easy. And you wouldn't be going up and down with like nothing wrong with sports. I like sports. I'm going to watch sports. But, but there is a line. There is a line. But when I feel myself getting visibly upset or upset about something, you know what I do? Even if I'm into the game, I cut it off. Because I won't allow something to have that much control over me. Break the mold today. Since everybody raised a hand, wherever you are, I believe God has spoken to all of us about doing something different. If you want to be different, do different. I'm going to give you a challenge when you leave here today. First thing you do when you get in your car, look at your radio. Look at the music that's coming out of it and say, what do the songs on here produce? Do they produce holiness or do they produce lust? Don't get quiet now. <laughs> I'm not controlling what you listen to. It's your radio. You pay for it. But what I am telling you is, if you want to be different, sometimes you got to do different. Yeah. You listen to something that's not Christian every now and then, you know, you can eat a Twinkie every now and then, and it probably won't kill you. <laughs> but if you make a steady diet of Twinkies, I'll be suing your service right across me. <laughs> Some things can kill you spiritually. Break the mold. Hallelujah. If this has helped somebody, give God a hand clap of praise today. <laughs> if you're listening online today and it's helped you and you made it through to the end, God bless you. Right out, it's helping me. As the prayer team comes, um, uh, all my prayer people, if you'll come and face the front if you need prayer, uh, uh, Brother Ernie, Pastor Ernie, uh, Jamie.